to Reverse the World, a podcast about living, loving, and laughing, getting inspiration through information. Today, we have Shakira on the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. Thank you for having me. And just a you know visibility and transparency here. This is the second time Shakira is actually doing the podcast. She's allowing me to invade a little bit more of her time today because last time uh, StreamYard... Um, kind of uh, lost the recording so we're going to i guess do it better this time <laughs> cross my fingers <laughs> and again and like you said i won't make this a habit um but again shakira not the singer uh yeah. <laughs> so can you, can you give us a little bit about your background and um and your kind of your art and what kind of is your i guess your your why for becoming a yoga instructor? Um, Okay, so I am born and raised in the Bay Area, Um, born in Berkeley, and my parents raised me really Berkeley hippie. So that was a lot of um, Berkeley farmers markets, flea markets. Um, I just was a child of movement. So I got into dance early and gymnastics. Um, sports. I loved basketball. And then um, probably in high school, I started taking dance more seriously, joined a couple dance companies, and then decided to major in dance. When I got to college, um, I injured myself in a class. (laughs) So I was like, damn, um, I've danced since I was two years old. Like, if I don't dance, what am I going to do? So I started diving more into my minor, which was fashion merchandising. So I just like up and left Cal State Long Beach, enrolled at FITM, um, Fashion Design of, wait, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. (laughs) Whatever. Um, A fashion and design school. And that school really like set me up for life. Like not even just like, to work in the fashion industry, but just like life in general. Um, I had some very inspiring instructors that really have left like an imprint on um, my life when it comes to work ethic and not making excuses and being on time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And just like those little things, like they say, like, you know, this industry is cutthroat. And I feel like, you know, fashion industry is art industry, um, can be really critical. And as an artist, you're like, oh, I don't want people talking about my shit. So, you know, um, I graduated from FITM and started working in the industry, um, started doing wardrobe, editorials, uh, working with celebrities one-on-one for wardrobe purposes, started doing like in-store installations, window displays, mannequins, I was doing everything I wanted to do, but my body was in pain. Like I wasn't dancing anymore. I definitely wasn't going to anybody's gym Um, because gyms are kind of creepy. But I Mm, used to run like (laughs) men in gyms can be creepy, (laughs) should I just Ah, say. You know, um, that was my first experience of joining a gym was a man like following me everywhere I went. So um I used to run just like in the street like at night like not safe but um (laughs) I was just doing that and then 
I was going to a predominantly black church called Agape. Um, the minister is Michael Bernard Beckwith. And they had a slow meditative yoga class once a week that I just started going to. And it was so slow. <laughs> like, I thought this would be like for older people, but I was like one of the youngest people in the class. But the first day I was like sweating, like drenched <laughs> in sweat. And it was slow. So I was like, I'm confused. Like I'm used to like powering through something, you know? Um, but this was like slow. We're meditating. We're like breathing was most of it. And I was like, damn, this is like crazy. Cause the next day I was sore, but I felt so much better. Like I felt like I had in high school when I was in, um, this dance company called Dimensions Extensions, mm -hmm. which was a black modern dance company. We incorporated like jazz and ballet. And we used to have warm-ups that would last like 30 minutes to an hour before we got on choreography. Cause these are like two hour rehearsals. So I'm used to stretching. I go to no stretching and living like a normal adult, you know? And then I was like, I can't believe this is life. I refuse to wake up every day and be in pain. Yeah. And I'm just not a person who likes to be uncomfortable. Like I'm very vocal. I'm going to remove myself. Like I was like, how do I feel better? And this class made me feel better. And then I started doing research and I was like, all the people we see on TV who do yoga don't look like us. And the people that created yoga are darker than both of us. So I was like, mm, okay, I shouldn't be surprised, but I was surprised. I was like, damn, if black and brown people did yoga and meditated half as much as we spend money on material things, we wouldn't be dying of high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, we wouldn't have things like arthritis. We wouldn't have things like anxiety. Even um, migraines and headaches can be linked to just not breathing properly. So I incorporate breathing exercises when I teach yoga um, just off bat. Like mm -hmm. the yoga teacher training program that I ended up going with taught us that meditation and yoga are hand in hand. But Western civilization teaches us that they're very separate and I'm here to like help bridge that gap. Like, yes. you know, there are black and brown people that do yoga and meditate and there are black and brown people who grew up not eating meat, you know, like I grew up, like I said, in Berkeley, no meat and very little dairy, um, very little processed sugars. And in the nineties, I used to be teased for the way that my mom really? would make my lunch. They're like, Oh, you're trying to be white. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like, no, my mom literally just won't buy these things because she says they're not healthy, you know? So I was that kid. Um, but yeah, getting off topic. Um, I came to yoga because I wanted to feel better physically mm -hmm. in my body. I stay with yoga because I see the benefits of it. And I teach yoga because I need more black and brown people to stop dying from things that they can cure. So, so about your, your parents, um, your, you said you cut your mom and your dad, it was your mom and your dad kind of raised you like, mm. okay. My mom, my dad is, you know, stereotypical black father. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Listen, trust me. I got, I got, I just, I just, 
I just learned I had a couple of uh, step sisters that I didn't know five years ago. So I understand. You said step or half? Half. Okay, that's the difference. Half, half. Yeah. Yes, 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 half. Half sisters that I didn't know I had a couple of a couple of years ago. So it's yeah. Uh, but <laughs> you said they kind of raised you hippie, and you said you haven't eaten. How how long have you still not eaten meat? Have never eaten meat, or is it? Um, I still have never eaten um, like a hamburger. I've okay. never had bacon, um, okay. but I have had chicken. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the silent killer, um, <laughs> and I've had turkey, of course, okay. like for okay. holidays. But um, do you I was feel like different? almost. A, do I feel different? Did you, did you when you ate those things like the for the first time? Did your body like react differently? No, because I did it before I hit puberty. So that's the no, thing about exactly. human bodies. So if you do something before you hit puberty, um, you're less likely to have a food allergy or oh. you are more like more liable to find out you have a food allergy in that period of time. So I was like 11 or 12 when I had chicken the first time and it didn't make me sick. Um, but I was afraid to tell my mom that I ate it at my friend's house. <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> and I was like, shit, I already get in trouble. So um, I just told her and she was in trip and she was laughing. And she was like, well, if you want to eat chicken, you can, but I'm not going to cook it for you. There's no meat in this house. If we're out somewhere and you want to order it, Okay, she started eating some chicken, but then she still <laughs> ate chicken. And then my dad did, but then that took me to a whole other part of my life where I was like, damn, like in old age, my parents are getting lazy. That's what they're saying. They're like, oh, when you get older, you need protein, you need this, you need that. And I'm like, but y'all used to make almond milk. Like mm -hmm. y'all used to go the extra step to get your protein and calcium without animal products. Why are you doing it now? So I just call my mom a hypocrite. Every time I see her eating chicken, I'm like, oh, you eating chicken today? Oh, I wish you would stop doing that. And she's like, oh, everything in moderation. And I said, yeah, poison yourself in moderation. That makes sense. I do it too. You know, like I drink alcohol when I feel like it. Not mm -hmm. often because I don't really bartend anymore. But there was a time where I know I shouldn't have been drinking that much. And now I don't. You know, <laughs> but I do believe I read something and they said if the government wanted to poison black people, all they had to do was poison the chicken. They would wipe the whole race out. And it's not even just black people, but it's a lot of black people that eat chicken rather than not. And there's really great alternatives now, not even just soy products, but just plant based plant based products. Or just like switching it up and adding other things into your diet. Like some people don't like vegetables, so to speak, but you can yeah. make like cauliflower rice yep. or like cauliflower, like pizza crust. And there's some really good, believe me, I know the evolution of like veggie cheese has evolved yes, since yes, the 90s. Yes, yes. So it doesn't just taste like cardboard, but there's like actual veggie plant-based cheese that melts and you can get it in like mozzarella and parmesan and i was like wow you know we've come a long way since the 90s <laughs> i remember when i was because when i ran track um from literally junior high school to college i was a um a very staunch 
vegetarian for mm. like five years. And like you're saying, having a veggie patty or having cheese, like veggie cheese or something like that was a daunting task. And then instead <laughs> it was, and then when, you know, you go to the grocery store and your homeboys are like, yeah, man, we about to go to McDonald's after a meet or something like that. And you're like, man, you know, I got to kind of go home. I got to have my veggie patty. He's like, man, you gay. I'm like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> like I'm trying she, to, you know. she black? Oh, of course. Oh, <laughs> I got to associate health with sexuality. Yeah, like, and it was, and you know, I, 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 and well, I grew up in a Caribbean like, like, um, household, and I grew up in a Caribbean like environment. So you know that whole the Batsy boy and all that stuff. That's that's real. Like they, I don't know what that means. Oh, Batsy boy is like gay men, basically. Like okay, but the um this guy named um. Oh man, I can't remember his name, but a uh, Caribbean artist, he made this, um, basically this hate, when you think about it now, it's like a hate anthem. It's like, mm. um, put fire to no Batsy boy. So it's like, basically, when you see a gay man, light him on fire and kill him. That's like what? a whole it's song. It's a song? A whole song. Like a That came whole, out when? Man, that came out. Uh, probably, That's terrible. I think ninety three, maybe ninety four. That wouldn't fly today. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Culture would have been no. cut him off. That's it's funny. Up. It's funny though because I feel like the revolution of you know wokeness and I wokeness and just I feel I feel like it's not wokeness; it's just mindfulness, just mindful of other people's like life livelihoods mm-hmm. has reached the Caribbean household. So people are a lot more like accepting of others now. But back then it was like, nah. <laughs> like definitely in like definitely in like New York City. I don't know if how I definitely in the islands, that was like rap. You there was a, so many people that of Caribbean ancestry that came to New York just to live in like, you know, West Forth and all that and be in fashion and stuff like that. So they they won't get persecuted in their on their island. Like mm. they were they would if they found you with a man, they would come to your house and beat you and like leave you for dead. It was like a it's a whole thing, like beat you with rocks and things like that. And where and is that, this? This is Jamaica, Trinidad, oh uh what you call it? Like this is the this is the stories of the islands, of the beautiful islands they don't tell you. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Barbados, uh, St. Kitts, I mean, Haiti. I mean there's definitely Haiti. You know, black Americans that do terrible things to black Americans that are gay. So I think it's just the stigmatism and melanated people, you know, and it goes back to religion. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's where it goes back to religion. Um, But that's terrible. I'm sorry that happened to you. And it's interesting that um, both of us experienced, you know, black people telling us, we're trying to be like something else when we're eating healthy. That's like, it's mm-hmm. interesting. You know, why do black people feel like we have to continue to eat the scraps or continue to eat like, you know, what's given to us. We can make our own mm-hmm. meals, you know, like we have exactly. free will, so to speak, you know, but anyway, I mean, the- when you go to uh, McDonald's, you can get a filet of fish. You know? <laughs> <laughs> And Burger King has the Impossible Burger now, so yeah, I, 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 I veggie I, burger there. Yeah, the Impossible Burger, I just it, it it doesn't do my body well. I don't know what it is. I think it's maybe the oils and 
maybe some of the chemicals. They're they're still. I think I feel like they're on like V three of that. They mm-hmm. they need a couple of more iterations to get it like perfect because they're doing a they're doing they're doing what quote unquote I call God's work and making mm-hmm. food accessible to humans. So they're taking instead of taking animal products, taking vegetables and all these plants and all these things that are like widely available and being able to create food out of it, which would mm-hmm. help a lot of starvation, a lot of, you know, problems that we have with, you know, homelessness. And it, I think it will be in the long run when they start getting it very well done, um, a little better, but, uh, again, off the topic. Um, but yeah. <laughs> you went to fit up, you went to fit uh-huh. you, uh, which call you went and you taught at your, your church. And I remember there was a story about the, somebody not being there and then you having to teach the class. Um, uh-huh. um, so tell me a little bit more about kind of the, in, after that class of you teaching a class when the instructor wasn't there, kind of what made you kind of pursue your, um, yoga career a little bit further? Uh-huh. So, yeah, like you were saying, uh, the class that I was taking in L.A., mm-hmm. the teacher didn't show up. And like three months prior, I had a dream where someone asked me, was I a yoga instructor? And at the time, I was just taking like class once a week. So I was like, like in the dream, I was like, no, like sarcastically saying no. And then three months later, the teacher didn't show up. The class elected me to teach. And then I was like, hmm. I had a dream. It actually came true. Let me talk to my mom about it. My mom was like, maybe you should um, think more into learning and teaching yoga. And then again, I was in LA at at the time. So I was like, LA has a very superficial outlook on health. It's more outwardly than inwardly. It's starting to change. But um, I was like, if I teach yoga, it's not going to be in LA. I want to like, get off the ground back at home. So I moved back to the Bay Area. I went to like three, like three is my favorite number. So life usually happens to me in threes. Uh, I went to three different yoga schools and then found one I really liked, took three classes and was like, okay, I'm going to go with these people. And it was the most diverse. In my opinion, it was the most well-rounded price range it was in the middle Mm -hmm. and um I was looking at different programs like some programs to get your 200 hours that's like your typical like a like a BA in the world of yoga (laughs) a 200 hour can you can do it in like two three months you can do it over like five months you could over like two years some of these programs. So I was like, I got shit to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will pick not the fastest one, but the one in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I was able to do like a payment arrangement because it was like almost $3,000. I graduated with 24 people. And I think um, I teach yoga. One other black girl was teaching like fitness. She just switched over. And that's it. Nobody wow. else is Nobody else teaches yoga. They barely do yoga. I'm like, y'all got $3,000 just to invest it in me. (laughs) So out of the 24 people, there are four black women, myself included. There's probably like three or four men. There's probably like two Asian people. It was very diverse. Mm, Like, It sounds like it. 
Well, I was in the Bay Area, you know, San ah, Francisco. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. in San Francisco. <laughs> and then they had a studio in Berkeley. So we're between Berkeley and San Francisco. So it's my people, you know. <laughs> and I was like, damn, like they're teaching us about the different types of yoga because it's not just vinyasa. They're teaching us yin yoga, which is slow. They're teaching us um like Hatha, which is the original form of yoga, which is like pose, 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 like hold mm-hmm. a pose for a very long time and then hold mm-hmm. a pose for a very long time. Vinyasa, what I teach and what we see on TV is the style of yoga that flows into something else, which is mm-hmm. funny because I have my dance background and this is like the dance of yoga. Didn't do that on purpose, but you know, That's life true. happens. And it's funny, I was talking to someone about this, like yoga is an accidental career move that I did not intend on doing, but I'm very grateful that it's in my life. Like I thought I was going to be a wardrobe stylist and work in art and design and curate things. And I was like, this is not for me. Like, I love it, but I can't physically do these things every day. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to sit at a computer in a desk at a desk every day. And I damn sure don't want to be carrying racks of clothes every day, you know? <laughs> so I just don't want to be holding shit, you know? Like, <laughs> I want to just show up and move my body and get paid for it. And then yoga lets me help people, and I can do that too. So I was yeah. like, shit, this is a wonderful career move. But it was very challenging because, like... I'm, because of the world of dance, I know like people don't pay that much to take a class. <clears throat> like as a dancer, you maybe pay $11, $15, maybe $20 if it's a master class. People are paying at one point pre-COVID, a drop-in was $30 at a yoga studio. Really? And I was like, damn, in LA. In LA. Okay, okay, okay. I was okay. like, this is crazy because I'm over here teaching $10 classes in Oakland. Like, the fuck am I doing? <laughs> but it's your audience, you know, your audience. My audience is my community. My audience is Berkeley, Oakland, Ber- Berkeley, Oakland, Richmond, San Francisco, and then LA. So because of my background and like, retail while I was in college, even after college, I was like sales associate, cashier, store manager. Within like four years, I was like, boom, 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 like knocking them out. Because I was like, I need more challenges. I need more money. I need to do other things in life. I don't really plan on working in retail forever, but the experience was great because it helped me understand how to run someone else's business with their money. Like as a store manager, I was able to like, have a staff, train a staff, make money, like sell, you know, I would like do the visuals. This is all before fit them. Like I was doing the visuals. I was doing everything. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, I do this already. Like I should get paper behind it. Yeah, exactly. And then when yoga happened, I was like, this is so great. I should get paper behind it. <laughs> like I just kind of feel that way. I don't want to get into something without doing my research, without knowing if it's a good fit. And again, because people don't pay that much to take yoga classes, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the most uh, lucrative business if you are not, um, I hate to use the word hustler these days, Go because ahead. 
<laughs> hustler implies that you are chasing something. Mm-hmm. And I was raised in a spiritual household that says, no, we attract right. what yeah. we put out. Mm-hmm. So if I'm attracting money, I'm putting out money. I'm not hustling. I'm not like that. The phrase chase the bag, like, no, you should be saying <laughs> the bag chases me, you know, mm-hmm. really. Um, so I took the retail business and infused that with yoga. And I was like, okay, I know how to market myself. I know how to market this product. I know that um, recommendations and word of mouth go a long way. So I just hit the ground running. I just started like handing out flyers. I was like, I'm teaching here. I'm teaching here. I'm on social media. And then for the first two years, I'm going to be honest, I hustled my ass off. Um, And then I haven't had to go look for a job in a very long time. Nice. It's been rough, but I think I'm way more happier. I feel more comfortable in my own skin. I have time to like go to lunch if I want to go to lunch in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. And then I can like teach classes when I want to. And again, this is pre-COVID because during COVID, every studio that I taught at, and I used to teach two to four classes a day, Monday to Friday, all of them stopped. Like some of them just like, oh, we're not doing virtual. So they just dropped out. Some of them switched to virtual, but it took a while for like the members to catch on. Uh, I taught at a school, so that was out. Mm -hmm. And then I taught at co-working spaces that are like 10%. They're they're being used 10% capacity right now. So Mm -hmm. I was like, well... <clears throat> time to refocus. <laughs> um, this lady from Shark Tank, the one with the real short hair, I love her. She was uh, saying, um, anyone who is an entrepreneur needs to completely redo their business model. Like you cannot do, like she said, list all of your sources of income from before and cross them all out. <laughs> like start over. <laughs> She was like, yep, that doesn't matter anymore. Nothing matters. Like all the trends, all the things we knew before. And then retail, I know this. We used to like base today's numbers off last year's numbers. And you would try to like beat last year's goal and get a bonus. Like no last year's goals. (laughs) Like everyone's starting fresh now. Um, So yeah, I'm looking at, I'm doing other projects now. Still involving yoga, but it's like, I also have had to take a step back and realize like, what are my expenses as a business? And um, these platforms are expensive as hell. Are people really wanting to do Zoom classes? Not really. Yeah, no. A certain demographic, a certain age group? Yeah, sure. But the people that I believe are under 35? is real rough, you know, right now. So hopefully these products come out great and people can use them. That's my next wave. Is it, um, can this, can, what, what are the, what are the products? Is, or is it like exclusive? Is it close to the chest? No, I, don't, I was listening to church this morning <laughs> and he said, Oh, I should have had my notebook with me. He said, my success, will not take away from anyone else's. 
or okay. block anyone else's. There is enough to go around. And because there's only like, I don't know, a hundred black yogis, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> there's enough. So I am developing yoga tools for children um, after working with kids for so long, specifically black wow. and brown kids. There is nothing that th- yes. really appeal- appeals to them. It's like Barney type of yoga flashcards and books and videos it's very um barney and the kids are really bored so i just started making up my own games over the past couple of years and i was like i should invest in these games um and these teaching tools for schools but also for the kids to do it on their own and they won't need batteries um or electricity so i'm looking forward to that um and I want to develop my own yoga support tools. So like yoga blocks, yoga straps, yes, yes, um, yes, yes. specifically, and then yoga mats, <clears throat> yoga bags, and then clothing, you know, tap back into that fashion industry exactly. stuff. Um, there's like a market for everything. And then, you know, body types, like my body type is interesting because I have a short torso, but long limbs. Mm-hmm. So it's, I wonder if I would have been raised like everybody else, as far as diet, would I be taller? Because I feel like I should be taller. People think I'm taller and they see me in real life and they'll be like, hmm, you're short. Like <laughs> I never said I was tall. I know how to make myself look tall because of my limbs, but that fucks me up when it comes to buying athletic wear. Mm. Like women's athletic clothing is made for tall, thin women, regardless of race, just tall, thin women. And I need to like take two inches off the ankle usually or Mm. roll it up or. So I'm like, we need some yoga pants that fit different body types, but then also aren't like um, more inclusive of sizes. Because mm-hmm. I think most uh, athletic wear stops at a 2X and yes. it needs to go up to at least four. And yes. we're trying to motivate people of all body types, you know, to get into yoga. And then again, who is usually a bigger person in America? I feel like it's black and brown people. So it's just a lot of things. And there's a lot of room for people to like, you know, share the wealth. I just ask that people make affordable things. People make things that are um, eco-friendly. So I have some masks that I sell currently. That's like the Mm -hmm. first of my products. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a brand called Henry, Henry Masks. There's two black brothers. You got to look them up. You would love them. Um, Two black brothers that um, started their career as menswear designers. And then they got their hit making these masks. Like I'm hope, I hope and pray that they patent the design because it's oh. genius, but they put a filter inside. You can wear it around the ears. I should go get mine. Um, wear it around the ears, wear it around the neck. Um, they make kids ones. They make a cheaper style one. Like, they're hand washable is the main part, uh, hand washable, machine washable, and it's subscription based. So you get like four a month when you click a pattern, 
And then um, you can like swap them out. Like they're not paying me to say this, but they're great, you know, um, as far as like style and patterns. And again, they help the planet because you're washing your masks. You're not throwing them in the trash. Those blue surgical like dentist masks, yeah, those are going to break down. Those are going <laughs> to be all in our ocean and we're going to be like, mm-hmm. oh, what happened? Like COVID happened and now exactly. we have all this plastic in the ocean. Um, so yeah, those are great. And I partnered with them and did some custom masks. <clears throat> so it's like my logo. Um, do I have time to go get it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is time where we just talk to the audience and I just say, Hey, this, this is pretty good. You know, pretty good <laughs> so far. And, um, you know, hairy mask. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> So here we go. So this is the baby one. How uh, cute! Is I like that? that. And then I should send you one for your can, little girl. Can, can you take? Can you take? Can you take one out so I can uh, see? Or you, is yeah. yeah, this is the adult one. This is the kid one. I'll open up the the kid one so because I have it's more funny. Of it's funny that you said about the you know the children's yoga like cards. I was <laughs> literally so me and my daughter have been doing yoga since she was because I've. Been, been been big into yoga for about 10 years but you know fell off because i was drinking a lot so it's i i really me and her kind of connected through we call it she calls it um her namaste time and, and and we've been looking on videos and you know i'm trying to get like children related things like they have this one lady she does moana yoga she does like rubber dub yoga and they make like little like is very childish and very like, okay, we have to look at YouTube to find these videos. But I was just thinking the other day, I was like, how about if I had like flashcards, the same I do for ABCs, that she can mm. learn the same thing. <laughs> she can learn the same thing. It's funny that you're saying that. So I think it's it's parallel mind, but yeah. again, I'm not in that space. But I was yeah. like, because I'm always doing it. She's always like this. And I'm like, and I'm like, she remembers for me just doing a simple pose, right? So to learn her ABCs, I kind of learned the same thing. So I was like, two, two together. But yeah. Yeah. When, whenever that it's comes coming. out. It's please, coming. I, I would love. My would first love round of funding, I got these masks. Okay. So um, crossing fingers that I get some more funding from these grants I've been applying to. Um, but yeah, it's something that's needed. And it's like the kids that I was working with in East Oakland, like the youngest one was like three and the oldest was like 14, but I had them separately, Mm -hmm. but I would play like Afrobeat music Mm -hmm. or like random stuff. And they would be like, Oh, this is great. You know, but at home they're listening to Cardi B and the Migos Mm -hmm. and, you know, we just got to have like a kid's bop version of Barney meets Sesame Street meets yoga meets hip hop Harry. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, okay. So these are the masks and you can put it on like a regular, Oh, look, this is the baby mask. Mm -hmm. You can put it on like that. And this little chin strap goes like that. Um, You could put it. What I usually do is I'm not going to do it, but you put it all the way around your head. And then it goes on. And then once it's around your head, you can add the ear straps for more security. So like if you're running or working out, but if you just put it around your head, you can like fold it up and it just kind of like sits there like around your neck. I usually tuck it into my shirt. 
but it's super handy rather than like, I used to put the mask like on my wrist. Yes. <laughs> then it'd be on the ground, you know, so then it'd stay on the ground. No, I'm just putting trash. But if you put this around your neck and it's just there, I was like, this is so great. But that's my little logo. And nice. um, it's the same as um, the adults one. This just is bigger. But yeah, yeah, this pattern, like they make it, like my boyfriend just ordered, he has like a black one, he got me a cheetah print one, and then I got him <laughs> other ones. It's really innovative, and I love the fact that they're black men. Yes, I will 100% be looking out for your pattern and then looking at theirs as well, because that's one thing that I think is going to be very important <laughs> in the next year or so. I, I see fashion designers doing it already, making like fashion masks, but um to they're not effective exactly that's what yeah, i'm saying to, exactly you need the combination of you know cute i would say cuteness and then you need a, what was was it attractiveness yes attractiveness and then you yeah. need the the you know the obvious you know protectiveness of it as well and i think yeah i love i love the idea hmm. i gotta reach out to those guys I will, yeah. If you want to do custom orders, let me know and I'll okay. send you through my sales rep connection. So Same. you can get your logo on them. You know, teams are doing it and people are doing it for like baby showers or businesses. So people are going to be wearing masks for the next hundred years, probably. So, you know, it's going to be good to have your own mask of some sort. I'm taking a note right now and mm -hmm. I will send you an email. Because <laughs> it's something very special mm -hmm. that I need to be done. Like it's very special. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, that's a good tangent to go on. Um, but okay. So, <laughs> um, yoga itself. Um, you said vinyasa, and then you said the one with just poses, posing, posing, posing. What are other mm -hmm. ty types of yoga that people? I know there's Bikram. AKA hot mm -hmm. yoga. What other types of yoga are there that you kind of know of? Right. So let's clarify hot yoga. Hot, uh -oh. hot <laughs> yoga and Bikram are two different things okay. under the umbrella of hot. So like heated yoga is anything that's hot. So mm -hmm. with the heater on Bikram is specific temperature, specific sequence of poses, um, he has a 12 pose sequence that's followed up with like two or three breathing techniques. And I think there's a meditation in there. So it's like a 90 minute class in a temperature of like 113. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's something like that. Don't quote me, but um, I've taught heated yoga in a studio that was like 90 degrees and it's, you know, Heated yoga in America is to manipulate the environment of India where they're not putting heaters on because it's already like So again, you know, we're trying to create something that's we're being innovative, but it I think, you know, unless a person is really, really like going every other day because you don't need to do hot yoga every day it dehydrates you yep. um and depletes your nutrients but if you go like a couple times a week um it's good to detoxify but i never wanted to practice and study bikram because of the controversy because mm. of the netflix documentary yeah 
Um, and then sadly, the founder of the studio that I graduated from, they're from the East Coast, where they had most of their studios and a few out here in the Bay, the founder of that also this last year got um, me too I guess that's the term. So the founder of Yoga to the People completely like dismantled the business. There's no studios anymore. And all these allegations came out on social media. Like they created a page to talk about the stuff that went there from racism to abuse to like um, unfair working conditions things that I've never really had to go through because I speak up, you know, people don't really know. So I was just kind of like, not that they don't speak up, but I was just like, I wonder why certain people felt comfortable doing that to you, you know? Um, And then I want to encourage people like who are victims of things like that to use their voice, but to also say something when they see those red flags, like don't just go along with it because you feel like he's like the program leader. He's yes. still a man, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There needs to be more women led training. So in the future, like I aspire to have some trainings. Um, but again, we need to not idolize people. Yes. So whether you're a celebrity or a yoga extremist or, you know, mega church preacher, like mm. we need to not mm. idolize people. So, yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny because what my mom always told me, like, you know how people, kids used to always, used to be a thing about the, the, the rape van, right? Kids used to get picked up. And then, the like, the it used to be called, it's very simple terms, it used to be called the rape van, right? The all-white van, rape van. <laughs> okay. I, I lived in Brooklyn. It was just, we cut and dry. There's no, like, there's no simplifying of it. It's called the rape van. It was an all-white van, no windows, uh-huh. and a, there was, like, a slew of kids getting getting picked up and getting basically taken away. So, what? yeah, there was a slew when of was this? It. this was in the 90s. Back then, 90s Brooklyn was like it was like the wild west back in the day but instead of horses and Indians they were kids it was just like a bunch of children like adolescents just roaming the streets just like there was no like parents were going to work it was a crazy crazy time it was that was when all the gang violence and you know Giuliani was trying to sleep like mob like mafia was kind of like coming down and then gang violence was going up so mm. there's just a lot of children like without parents or with single parents. So they were out just latchkey kids, right? So there's a there was a slew of people, kids just getting um taken and I had a younger sister, she's three years younger than me, so I would so we would be out and I would have to look after her, right? But my mom used to always say the 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 one thing that she knew is that a person who's trying to abduct you won't go after the loudest kid, right? So to your point, if you're the one that's speaking up, the one that's the loudest, the one that's cursing, the one that's like, you know, well, who the fuck are you? You're not my mom. Get the fuck off me. People going to turn their head and look like, um, that might not be that child's father. Yeah, let me go in. <laughs> exactly. Or or just look at him like, and then him or her or whatever is going to happen. And then look like, um, okay. That's why I kind of, uh, when I watched Lord, Lord Order, SVU, 
Back in the day, it was like very simplistic ways they were catching kids. Now they have to be a little bit more elaborate. Because <laughs> again, right. kids now now are Boring like them into a van is not usually going to happen these days. Not with a puppy. Exactly. Like, <laughs> not the kids in Oakland. The kids in Oakland be like, Fuck that dog. <laughs> Give me that dog. Give me that dog. Give me that dog. <laughs> you know, but, no, that's terrible. I'm sorry that yeah. happened. The kids in Oakland and Richmond are very resilient mm-hmm. and very. You know, we created the Black Panthers. So mm-hmm. my mom had, and I've referenced my mom a lot because she's a, li- a retired librarian, retired uh, English and art teacher. So she oh, reads wow. everything. But mm-hmm. she read something that the, um, I think it was the Bloods, tried mm-hmm. to settle in Oakland first and was like, oh, the kids in Oakland, what did they say, are... Um, what did they say? Unconforming mm. and um, are not easily influenced. <laughs> so they took it down to LA. And then you have the Christmas <laughs> blood and we have the Black Panthers. And um, yeah, there's kids out here who definitely get abducted and definitely a lot of girls in um, the prostitution ring. And that's been happening since the 80s. Prostitution has been wild out here. Um, really? Yeah, it really doesn't make the news, but there's like a street that everyone knows is notorious for prostitution. And when I taught at this school in East Oakland, it was on that street. And um, like before daylight savings time, the kids get out, the sun's still up. These girls would be outside across the street. And like sometimes they would be in front of the school and parents would have to like, you know, tell them to move like school authorities would be like, you know, you can't be in front of the school. It would be terrible. I used to be like, not on like three o'clock in front of the school, (laughs) you know, but it's wild to me. It's um, you ever heard of hookers at the point? No. So (laughs) there's, I'm introduced to a lot of things. Um, There's an HBO special um, called Hookers at the Point. Um, You Mm -hmm. you ever heard HBO had this thing called um, uh, G-String Divas or, uh, okay, HBO. I didn't have a cable. (laughs) (laughs) My mom was not paying that. We had BET and MTV minimum. No HBO, no Showtime, no none of that. So I had a hot box growing up. Like growing up, I had a hot box. So the hot box was like, it was like a box, right? You get to stream um, other people's cable. So through the street. So what you did is, this is how I learned about technology when I was growing up too. <laughs> so you take you took the hot box and you put it in the middle of like two homes or three homes, right? Depending on how many people are going to share it, right? So what you do is you slide um, that person who's playing the cable, maybe a couple of dollars here, a couple of dollars there. Or if you really want to be hot, you just take it from them illegally and they find out when they're... Um, they find out when they move. They won't find out when their cable bill because they'll have the same cable bill. So you take that, you plug it into, <laughs> plug it into your TV, and then um, you get all the HBOs and Showtime, Cinemax, Pay Per Views, Spice Channel, Damn. all that stuff like that you ever wanted. Um, so <laughs> there used to be the show called Hookers at the Point on HBO, and this is I was probably I shouldn't be watching this probably like twelve or twelve, maybe eleven, thirteen. Um, and basically it was about the Bronx. So up in the Bronx, they have this place called Hooker's Point. 
Um, I think it's called Hooker's Point, but it used to be the same thing. It used to be like an area just full of prostitution. Like when I say pro- it's like full, like maybe six or seven city blocks full of prostitution. And mm. they used to just people, and it was for the longest, the cops were trying to infiltrate this whole ring and trying to find a pimps and all that stuff. And they could not do that. And New York has a little bit more schools per area than every, I think, I think it has the most schools per area than any place in the United States, I think. Mm-hmm. But so along that six blocks, there's at least three or four schools, two elementaries. <laughs> That's just like seeing this and, and it was just like so, so normalized until they had that doc. I, I wouldn't call it a documentary, but it was like, I would call it a documentary because then they had, <laughs> it was, they had another series it was uh, called um, "Pimps Up, Hose Down." It was <laughs> damn. It's about it was about the the they had a pimp award or something like that, and they would go into like New Orleans and have like a convention, and the pimps used to bring their bottom bottom hoes, and like they used to get like awards, like most most money. It used to be incredible in real life. In real life. Wow. Thank you, baby. I guess that's probably like the player's ball. They player ball. That that's what it is. Yes. yes yeah, yes. they have that in San Francisco. I didn't really know about it. That wasn't my life, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's crazy that you bring that up. It was, it's, yeah, yeah. it was, uh, but, and then I'm kind of like, you know, I don't know. It, it, I'm conflicted because I understand the need. You got what somebody needs, so sell it, right? It happens to your body. If, if if you're doing this out of your own free will, I'm like, hey, OnlyFans, what's up, right? But if you're, you know, if you're kind of like locked into this through like a prostitution ring or somebody is using you mentally, abusing you and physically abusing you, then I feel like that's, you know, inapt in itself too. Um, but it's always interesting because prostitution is the world's oldest business. Mm. <laughs> Obviously, it's the world's oldest business. Um, and alcohol. And alcohol. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I would think that prostitution would... <laughs> Those two, recession proof. <laughs> um, everybody broke. Um, so, okay. So that was the, the hot yoga. Um, what about power yoga? What about, like, what's the other types of yoga? Power yoga is like vinyasa. Okay. So it, it doesn't keep moving. I mean, it keeps moving. Um, you might hold something for a while, like your arms might be up for a while, or you mm-hmm. might do the same movements over and over again uh, fast. That could be considered power yoga. Um, there's like Ayurveda yoga. There's um, Ashtanga yoga. Ayurveda yoga has to do with like more of a lifestyle, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um and the people that I know who study that, they study like herbs and plants and uh, like nutrition and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And my friend who was in my program, she started doing Ashtanga yoga after our program. And it was like going to a place and then you do the same sequence until your sensei, I'm using that word, mm-hmm. your sensei <laughs> graduates you to the next routine. Ah, That could be a lifetime. Yes. So I was like, I'm not a fan of doing the same thing over and over. Um, Can't I should 
try it, but I don't want to make it a habit right now. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's yin yoga. Yin yoga I teach that is uh, more restorative. It uses props like blocks and bolsters and blankets. And it is more of lower body activities. So like twists, opening up the hips, opening up the low back and shoulders. Um, It's very slow and meditative. And that is when I I incorporate that in vinyasa to teach yin yang and other people Mm. have taught that style. So I usually incorporate slower movements into those classes and then put more powerful, faster movements into the same class because I feel like it's a good representation of everyday life. Like you have powerful movements and then you have more passive movements and they're both needed to have equal, you know, good balance. Um, What else is there? Mm, I mean, there's Hatha, which is like I said, the original yoga. And then I was reading like Hatha yoga because it is posed and then posed and then posed. Um, when some people thousands of years ago didn't have um, like healthcare, they or you know their version of healthcare, they would use yoga poses to alleviate like certain issues in the body. Uh. So someone could prescribe you chair pose if you're having mm-hmm. issues with your knees. Someone could prescribe you with, you know, half pigeon if you're trying to get some stuff right with your hips. And then they would say, you know, hold this for 45 minutes or whatever. Do this every day. Um, So I kind of want yoga to go back into those avenues of like, do these poses to heal this rather than going to your doctor and trying to, you know, have them figure it out. Most of us are intelligent enough to notice what our own body needs. We just may not have the tools or know how to articulate it. So when I work with athletes specifically, um, I get them in a habit to overly explain how they're feeling when they're in a pose. Like, okay, you feel like this is um, stretching your shoulder, but stretching your shoulder how and where is it? Underneath your shoulder blade? Is it underneath your armpit? Is it like, you know, near your um, collarbone? Mm -hmm. And then on a scale of one to 10, what does it feel like? Like, it's like going to the doctor. Like, the more information you give these people, Mm -hmm. the better off you'll be. But I've had football players who are like, oh, I just snatched the thing out of my arm. (laughs) And I was like, and then, you know, this is a big man. So everybody's like, oh, what are you doing? Put that back in. He was like, no, I felt like I was drowning. And I was like, well, I'm glad you acted, but let's verbalize a little bit better. You know, like mm. you sh- you could have said, you know, whatever doctor that was giving me this shot or this IV was having difficulty finding a vein so I feel like they just gave up and stuck it anywhere. And then I started feeling like I was drowning when the stuff was coming into my veins. Mm-hmm. So I ripped it out. Like, you know, just a little bit more like clearly is what I I want us to be able to explain, like what's happening in our bodies. Like women across the board usually know what's happening in their bodies, whether it's their cycle or like 
you know, carrying kids or Mm -hmm. whatever. But like as a whole, we need to be more aware of like, okay, my ankle hurts. Okay, well, what kind of shoes did you just got, you know, get through wearing? And did you just walk a lot or sit a lot? Um, You know, all those things matter. So it's kind of when you over explain the cause to the effect that you're having or the pain that you're having. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you was talking to somebody who kind of like wanted to start yoga or wanted to do like a daily practice, what would you, what are maybe a couple poses that you would, you would like recommend, or I would, since we talked about prescription medicine, yoga, what would you prescribe to that person um, on a day-to-day basis that somebody should do? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So the first stretch everyone needs to do is for the shoulders. Demo time. Because people usually are like this and they don't even know. So I'm always saying, you know, put your shoulders down. If you have a yoga strap or um, a necktie or a belt, I suggest trying this. You want to have your arms straight. And then inhale, bring your arms up. And exhale, I'm sliding my hands down the yoga strap and bringing it down. So inhale, arms up. I'm walking my hands closer and then back. So it's just this movement. And this movement, it's already working. Like I feel like some things opening up right now. You should try it because when everyone tries it, they're like, oh my God, like I didn't feel all that before. Yeah, so inhale up. But even your shoulders gotta go at the same time. Inhale and exhale. And then yeah, keep going. Evenly, yep. Oh yeah, that feels great. Yeah. Now, on another occasion, you'll try this standing up. Yeah. And you won't be moving your body like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your body will stay still, and you'll just be moving your arms forward and back. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's one main stretch that I have a lot of people do. And um, another stretch I have people do is just lay on the floor on their back. Mm. Um, a lot of people, most adults sleep on their side or fetal position or on their stomach. And then after reading, I realized what they were saying is that when we sleep in these small, tight positions, you are causing tension to happen in your body. I used to sleep like this and yeah. wonder why this would be hurting the next day. <laughs> because I slept like this for like five hours, you know, when I could have just. <laughs> you know, so I practice myself, encourage people myself is to just lay on the floor on their back. And then um, if you do like a nighttime workout, you're more like you're more able to fall asleep on your back because your body is exhausted. Mm. Um, and, you know, it goes back to that whole counting sheep. Like maybe you're not counting sheep, but you're like counting your inhales and your exhales. But if you are keeping your mind busy, not the screen, because that keeps you up, but maybe reading a book or writing or just laying there, you'll more likely fall asleep than not. 
A lot of the people who are claiming to be like insomniacs are people who just feel the need to be, um, what is that? Fear of missing out, fear of being yes, on a FOMO. Yep. It is not, um, what is it? What did I just, it is not insomnia. They're just like, oh, I didn't fall asleep in 10 minutes. Let me get on my phone and check mm -hmm. something. And we know that there's factual information that says when you are on your phone or in front of a screen at night, you're more liable to stay up because your brain thinks that's the sun and you won't fall asleep. So, you know, dimming the lights or turning your 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 brightness down on your mm -hmm. phone helps, you know, before you go to sleep. Um, so, yeah, laying down the shoulder thing. And then um, another one is just real simple. It's just all the way back here. Like this. Ragdoll. So, Four, like. Forward fold ragdoll? Yeah, a standing okay. forward fold. Okay. So, when you fold, you could bend your knees, you can grab your elbows, mm -hmm. you could put your hands behind your head. Like, mm -hmm. whatever you're going to do. Let your body like pull forward, let the gravity mm. pull forward. But the main thing is to breathe. Um, a lot of people say that they get dizzy when they stand up too fast and it's because we're not breathing. Mm. You got to breathe on the way up. And I encourage people to root down through their heels. So push their feet down mm. when they want to stand up. And when you stand up, don't just like pop up, but like roll your body up. And your head should come up last. But hanging heavy, like forward fold, that opens up your low back, that strengthens and lengthens your leg muscles. Um, if you incorporate like holding onto elbows, you can get some of your upper back and your shoulder muscles to relax. Mm -hmm. I think those are a good three. Yeah, I think those are bomb ass three. <laughs> Um, so as far as yoga is concerned, so you're, I would call you a yoga entrepreneur, right? Sure. Or, or is there any, like, I would call it, let's say success stories that you've had with taking somebody from being a complete novice to somebody kind of like relieving pain or relieving stress or them becoming a little bit more confident and, and stuff like that. Kind of like, you know, how people, you know, have a new year, new you, and they join a weight kick and then they, you know, they lose 30 pounds. They have, they're more confident. Have you taken somebody from that beginning point to feeling a little bit more confident or losing weight with yoga? Um, losing weight is not necessarily a priority. It's something that just happens. Mm -hmm. Um, I encourage people to focus on gaining strength mm -hmm. and flexibility rather than losing weight because just holding posture will make you lose weight. You know, like if you're not, if you're like sitting like rounded you're shortening your spine, but if I sit up tall and bring my shoulders down and my head back, then it, you know, improves my posture. When you physically move your body, you're going to perspire, yep. you're going to lose some weight. Um, but as far as the success story, not trying to sound like that, like I'm super, super humble, but oh, here we go. 
<laughs> majority of my classes pre-COVID, mm-hmm. somebody would tell me like at the end of class, like what changed in their body, at least almost every class. So one guy I used to teach in the financial district in San Francisco, he said um, he's had sciatica and this morning he could hardly move. And then he took my class, which was an hour at lunchtime and he was perfectly fine. He was like, my sciatica's healed. And I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> um, and then what else? I've been able to get football players to just be more flexible within, because every session is about an hour. So I've taken people who are like this and they think this is like straight arms. Uh, mm. A lot of football players, this is straight to them, but I'm able to get them here. And then um, one of the players that I used to work with more regularly, Gabe Jackson, he still plays for the Raiders. He's a very big man, if you yes. see him in real life. <laughs> and um, I was able to get him to touch his toes, like, at the end of the session. Like, he went from, like, this far away to, like, touching his toes in an hour. And a lot of it is um, restorative yoga. So it's yoga that you hold longer than not. When you hold something, things start to, like, expand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... You know, another like success story is I used to hold like workshops and I had um, uh, um, inversion. So anything where your hips are higher than your head is. Oh, OK, OK. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to teach people in four classes so every Saturday of the month how to go upside down. So these are people in their 20s, 30s and 40s. And when you pay attention and you trust yourself and you breathe and you get out of your head, you're, you know, you can do anything. So I was able to teach these people how to do headstands, prep them for other more difficult poses like forearm balances. Um, So, yeah, having people like get it in four classes and then share videos with me later of their continued practice, like those are wins. And um, I really do miss having like my big in-person classes, even the small ones, but just like in-person classes where people would come, you know, every week and I can see their progress and I'm telling them, like, dang, like you were here and now you're here. And we don't always see it, you know, when it's in our body. So like when I work on with one-on-ones with people, I take pictures and I send it to them throughout, you know, yeah. our sessions. Like, oh, first session was here. Third session, you know, now we're here. Like I work with a basketball player. And this is another like shoulder stretch is to do something like this. Oof. But if you don't have your hands, you can take that yoga strap and hold on. Yeah, that hurts me watching you. <laughs> <laughs> so in the first session um with this basketball player he couldn't do it Hmm. by the third session he could do it you know it's just like a little goes a long way yeah that's 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 dope uh, so any other like so at the so that's the yoga part so now the entrepreneur part what which what uh, advice would you give somebody that's trying to get into your field 
specifically? <laughs> if you had to, if you had to be a mentor, man, what would be I the first, yeah, what would be the first piece of advice? Other like black, younger black women, older black women, they ask me if I'll be their mentor. They ask me questions like about the business, about you know stuff, and I tell them honest things like. Um, if you're going to get business partners, make sure you do your research on these people. Don't just jump to, you know, they say, don't take the first offer mm -hmm. in life. Don't take the first offer from people, you know, like, I know that kind of sounds bad and people are like, no, we're on the same wavelength, but I promise you, you're not like, <laughs> you don't know. Six months you will be like, damn, mm -hmm. this is a totally different person. And mm -hmm. it's just like how people talk about relationships. I would promise you, you will have less stress in the long run if you keep your business to yourself for at least the first year or two and outsource things like 1099 projects, but don't let nobody come in as a partner. Maybe, you know, get some investment, give them a small percentage, but make sure you maintain full control of your business. Um, it took me a while to get a team as far as like a legal team, an accountant, like those things are real. I already knew about, you know, filing for business licenses, and business licenses and DBAs and things like that. But a lot of people don't. And I'm like, mm, those are the first steps. People yes. are like, oh, what's your idea? You don't need to have the idea fleshed <laughs> out, but you need to go get your name. You know, people want to have these brands and put stuff on T-shirts, but someone could take your name and exactly. then you're like a part of another person's brand. Um, I would say continue to do research on your craft, continue to read things about your industry. Um, if people want to get into yoga specifically and you're a black person, I would say, you know, we still have a window of opportunity. A lot of athletic brands looked at their advertising and realized there's a bunch of white folks on there and people who exercise look all different, you know, so different races, different weights, different everything. So we have to be more inclusive as a health and wellness industry. But then also like I sit on a little collective of health influencers for Walmart and we were talking to their new VP of health and wellness, who is a black man. Mm -hmm. And he was saying like, you know, there's not a lot of black and brown people in these positions like himself or like me. And I was like, well, you know, for the ones that are out there, we need to support them. We need to utilize them. So they inspire more people to do these types of jobs. Because if we don't, they'll be like, oh, this is a dead career or this is an industry not for me or whatever people will believe. It's like, if you don't support the arts, there's no arts. If you don't support science, there's no science. And if you don't support black yoga instructors, there's not gonna be any black yoga instructors that make money off this business because it can be profitable. Like corporate companies ask me to teach a class and they'll pay me hundreds of dollars. And then at the same time, I'm able to teach free or donation-based classes in Oakland. So that's how you create the balance. You know, who to charge, <laughs> who to give away to, what's your community service. But there should be both. You know, it can't just be one-sided. Well, I guess it could. But um, if I was just teaching corporate stuff all day, 
I and I have feel like the token black. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like during um, during um, what is it? Black History Month. Ooh, there we go. Yeah, right before Corona, I was getting invites to do all these things, and I was like, "Damn, this is great!" But I also knew it was Black History Month, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not gonna be—I'm not gonna lie. Like, um, lighter skin is less intimidating. Yes. So they're like, "Oh, she's black-ish, and she teaches yoga. Let's go get her." And I'm like, "Damn, I'm gonna take it." But damn, like. There's beautiful dark-skinned men and women that teach yoga that are still not in these advertisements. It's light-skinned people with curly hair to represent Black people. And we look all, you know, we look different. Like, um, I'm waiting for, or maybe I create, like, the first um, conscious athletic brand that Mm. is, like inclusive when it comes to sizes, inclusive when it comes to like shapes and functionality and materials, you know, that also takes me back to the fashion school. Like I'm very big on my materials and there's some (laughs) athletic brands that I know where they bought their fabric. And I'm like, Mm. wow, this is downtown LA and you are selling these pants for a hundred dollars each. Like, Crazy, crazy. Yeah, and it's funny that you say that about the sizes too. I was listening to—I uh, don't know if you're familiar with uh, um, Nicole Byer. Um, she's she's like a comedian, but she's a bigger girl. She's pro- she's hilarious. Wait, you ever get- she was on the show. Mm, she was. You ever seen Nailed It on Netflix? It's like a baking show, and then people try to make the things that they see on TV, and then she goes, "Nailed it." And then she's uh she's she does a lot of podcasts. Why why did you why 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 won't somebody marry me? Is one of her podcasts best friends. I don't know who that is, but I feel like she sounds like this girl who has, used to have like a Netflix show. She had like one season. Mm-hmm. But maybe not. I don't know. What about her? Yeah, but Nicole <laughs> Byer. She's 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 a big girl and I listen to her because she's fucking hilarious and she's crazy. And she said that one thing that she's seen is that these, like you said, because she does pole, she does um, uh, skates, like skating, and she does a bunch of other different type of activities. And she says that one thing that she, she says is athletic wear doesn't go up to 2XL, 3XL. And when you say that before, I'm like, I'm like, that. why don't they do that when, like you said, the people that need it is the people that are bigger sizes. And she said that even when she go now when she goes to sites that do have bigger sizes, they she sees that all the sizes are gone because mm. the people that you know people that are bigger they want to be fashionable they want to have things that look nice and they want to have things that are fitting and things that are um you know they can and then you have a person for life that you're working on because when that person starts losing weight they they're like shit you know I got this from you know Shakira's brand right and mm. she they're like I got that. Three XL. Let me go down to XL now because I know I've brown loyalty to her. So loyalty. That is something we don't talk about unless you're in a business class. They talk about <laughs> how Tide goes through generations of people. People only buy Tide because their mom bought it, and their mom bought Correct. it. Correct. But you Correct. can switch up anytime you want to. And Even, we don't have any household brands of like athletic wear. Nope. No. 
Nope. Not, that's the thing. Because, again, I think our generation happens to have been on this cusp of fitness that have that's going to have longevity because mm-hmm. the generation before us was on, like, had Atkin diets. I don't know if you remember Tybo. And I was a kid, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is wrong with this man? Like, I just never saw someone like him ever. So I was like, damn, this is crazy. <laughs> I saw him like a couple years ago at the Fit Expo in San Diego. Billy Blanks, that's his name. I'm yeah, sorry, I was thinking about it. In a class. Yeah, and when I was sorry, I was thinking back. The athletic brands that we support are like mm-hmm. Nike, Reebok, yeah. Puma. I want to go back to that statement. There are athletic brands that are passed down through generations, but they're usually not Black-owned brands. I'm getting, I'm getting the wrap-up sign from the Big Boss. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, 100%. And it's funny, too, because I use the Nike app, the Nike training app for mm-hmm. like, you know, just to do like... They have yoga stuff. They have like some hit stuff and some movement stuff. And you can see how during pre-COVID, how the demographic of people on there has like completely changed. Because mm-hmm. the, the gentleman I take, because I take, a, they had this yoga program and it's like yoga and primal flow, right? Mm-hmm. And this guy, he's, so it goes, it, like it started with this white girl, right? The first one. And then it goes to this black guy. Black African guy had shortcut like me, like talking like you need to do this like right, like like, like talking with his hands, like real like like centrist ghetto. So like cent- I call it centrist ghetto because it's not ghetto like he's like in a gang, but ghetto enough where like he can you feel comfortable. You know, you, I'm like I'm like, okay, this is a dude down the block, you know, that's so, you know, Lucy's on the corner. I could take. I could talk to him, you know. <laughs> but he teaches yoga. But um, that's like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm like your local dealer. Your your, your local, local yoga, yoga dealer. dealer. I was like, got that from drug dealers. But you know, I was like, we could do other things with that yeah. one. But yeah, yeah. Um, I so it was just funny how that kind of like. It, it 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 just saw the change from them being very like, yeah. It's just the and whole thing. Someone yeah. told them that people are more receptive if the teacher looks like them, so they're like, oh, we got to switch it up. And it's like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first I time. Realize that you know, and it is a white person thing because they're the ones that are program programming these apps. So if white people are normally teaching yoga classes. Why would they feel like they need to change unless we say something, you know, we've been saying something recently, like, oh, I don't feel comfortable in most yoga classes because I'm the only one there. But imagine how it feels when I'm the teacher and everyone else is something else. And the white lady comes to me like, thank you for being the teacher. I've never (laughs) had a black yoga instructor before. And I'm like, First of all, you feel real comfortable to come mm-hmm. up and say this after class, and I appreciate it, but maybe just leave that on my review or something like, you know, you would not believe how many times people have told me that. And this was like, in the past five years, because I've only been doing this for five years. I, a lot of it just happened in five years. This is going on year number six. <laughs> what what was that movie with Jordan Peele, the horror movie, the first one he did? Get uh, Out? Uh, Get Out. So 
that that lady when she comes up to you, she could either be two, of two people. She can be an ally, or she could be a person uh, like get out that wants to take you to your ranch. So you kind of have to like play both sides of that coin, <laughs> like at, at all times. Yeah, I believe she was an ally because then she started going into a whole story. Okay, so, okay, okay, yeah, okay, good, good, <laughs> good, good. Um, usually I do shots fired. Usually I do life, love, and laughter. But listen, I think we learned a lot about life. We had a couple of laughs. And, you know, the love for the passion that you have for your practice, for your city, for, you know, getting people healthy, definitely people of our color, um, is, you know, monumentous. And again, I appreciate you taking some more of your time and more of your energy to be able to speak with me tonight. Um, oh, well, day for you, afternoon for you, night for me. <laughs> well, thank um, you. I appreciate it. Of course, anytime. Can you please give anybody um, where they can find you, how they can get in contact with you, and any upcoming events that you have going on? Yeah, um, my email is the word contact, the at symbol, yourlocalyogadealer.com. And I have a website that I'm working on, but you can still contact me on there. It's just yourlocalyogadealer.com. And then... um, I'm on this new app called Clubhouse, <laughs> and I'm on there. You can just look me up, Shakira Scott or Yoga Dealer. I'm on Instagram, um, sincerely underscore Scott. I'm trying to change my name to my other page, which I'm got locked out of. But sincere means Shakira. Scott is my last name. Sincerely Scott on Instagram. Okay. Any any upcoming events or anything you got going on? I'm just doing one-on-ones right now. So I am, you know, getting full right now, (laughs) which is a good thing. But, you know, new year, new you. So they're like, let me sign up for those one-on-ones. I might do a special or something like that um, in the next few weeks. So that would probably be on Instagram. Okay, cool. Let let me know if I could promote or celebrate it in any way. I will 100% put it on my page. I, I don't have a... A great following, but the following I have, I hope will definitely interact with you. Do not say you don't have a great following because those people are still following. Oh, thank you. You have to appreciate <laughs> the followers um, and just grow, you know, yeah. grow the followers. Yeah. But I appreciate it. And thank you, know, you for having me. So, you know, the one thing we got to do at the end of every, at the podcast, we got to say the catchphrase, which is love, peace, and chicken grease. We don't have the, the beautiful little girl to help you with it this time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> My niece is great at this. Um, okay. We should say like tofu grease. Okay. Okay. Tofu <laughs> grease. Make it, whatever grease it can be. I, does tofu make grease? No. No, it doesn't. It's like a gelatinous type of thing. Yeah. I don't eat chicken. So. Okay. You did. I so, have. So remember that one time you ate chicken, that grease. Okay. <laughs> All right. Love, peace, and chicken grease. Uh, thank you again. And this has been another episode of Droop versus the World. Thank you. Thank you.